Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed. Teaching you to become your own best coach. Welcome back. And this week, I'm going to start off with an apology for a rather somber podcast. But bear with me. Uh, I will try to lift your, your perceptions of this podcast by the time I'm done. But first, let me just reflect with you a little bit about a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Alex. He and I were high school buddies. We played football together. We went off to college together. We were roommates, fraternity brothers. And then after college, uh, we were best of friends. Now, Alex had a rather dry sense of humor. And I recall when we were in college in the fraternity, the fraternity had a, a section in each of their monthly publications where different uh, brothers of the fraternity might have passed away. And that section of the magazine was called The Chapter Eternal. So Alex just seemed to gravitate towards this concept. And whenever the opportunity would arise, either back then or currently, uh, Alex would uh, always be able to quip and uh, kind of sarcastically jump on the fact that they have now entered the chapter eternal. Now, why he found that so hilarious, I don't know. But but throughout our, our relationship, every time someone had passed away, I would always hear about they were now in that chapter eternal. Now, I never thought much about this until Alex passed away last year. And then it really hit me. The reason we were joking you know, about this thing about the chapter eternal, and the reason it was so funny was because, well, well these things these people who entered the chapter eternal, they, they happened to other people, abstractions, not people we knew, older people, very old people, not us, of course. So, you know, we were talking about the old folk, and we, Alex and I, well, we weren't like them. We were, as if you've ever heard Bob Dylan's song, we were forever young. And perhaps, perhaps that's a form of youthful denial, you know, and why not? Maybe it's the psyche's way of not burdening ourselves with emotional, dark, oppressive thoughts, which, after all, during our middle acquisition years, you know, these are times where we don't need to be burdened. These are times where we're looking for employment. We're starting a family, raising kids, getting ahead, buying a house. Whew, I'll tell you, those are, those are times we need to have all our focus externally, right? Or most of our focus. You know, I've been doing this therapy thing now for a long time, since 1977, 76, 77. Got to count my internship there. And let me make a generalization that with the younger patients I've seen and the middle-aged patients, for them, mostly the concept of mortality is what I might call a back burner issue. It, it doesn't seem to impinge or cause friction. And as I said earlier, that's because we, we are so involved in the external 
all those pursuing things, the acquisitional things, that it may be the psyche's way of uh, allowing us to, to navigate life more effectively. And it does seem to be a generalization that's quite typical for younger and middle-aged people, as is the generalization that the older someone gets, I've noticed that there is more of a turning towards this concept of mortality. Now, how that plays out in the person is what's variable. Clearly, there are certain people, patients I've worked with, who find the concept of mortality a burden, oppressive, almost like a pressing weight that they feel. Time is running out. Whereas for others, same age, it's not oppressive. How can this be? Well, for them, it's an awakening. It's a freeing up of the, the external, superficial aspects of their life and a glimpse into things that are much deeper, much more pertinent, and much more important. Sometimes when you are so caught up in the youthful comings and goings, you are distracted from these deeper, more important realities. But with an awakening, all of a sudden, there's a kind of rumbling in your gut where you realize, wait a second, why am I doing this? Why am I beating myself up? Why am I pushing so hard? There's an awakening to things that need to be relativized in terms of importance. And this is rather an important point. You know, until recently, whenever I would see an, an elderly person a very old person, I would see a very old person. Now, what I mean is that I would never think of this person as once being a child or an adolescent. And you know yourself, if you've talked to some elderly people and they're, they're reminiscing, oh, when I was a child, it's hard to imagine that this person that you're sitting with and talking to was once a child running around and playing and swinging on the swings. And yet, to that very old person, they typically have a hard time looking in the mirror and not seeing the face of that youngster any longer. It's as if something in us feels we weren't meant to get old. We weren't meant to change. You know, there's something in us that just says, wait a second, this, this isn't supposed to happen to me. And, and you're kind of shocked by it. You know, it, sometimes it catches up to you slowly. And, you know, we have a denial where we try to hit the gym more, get some Botox, or, you know, we, we're trying desperately to slow things down. But typically, it's a shock. Wait a second. I, I, I'm not supposed to look this way. My hair shouldn't be turning gray and all that kind of stuff. But inevitably, of course, we must grapple with the life that we have in totality. And we do reach a point where it becomes impossible to hold back the tide of aging. Now, can't hold on to that illusion any longer. That's the point that, which I feel is the critical point. Because once you realize you can't delude yourself anymore by putting your mortality, your aging, on the back burner, that's where you, you come to grips with a critical life decision. Do I try to regress and cling to what inevitably will be lost, which to me seems like a fool's errand, or do I evolve, awaken to something deeper? Is that possible? I think so. 
I think it's more than possible. But I think that you need to be realistic and recognize that you can't be going north and south at the same time. If you're trying to cling to youth, if you're trying to cling inexorably to youth, then of course, going forward to an awakening isn't going to happen, or at least it's going to be impeded because, as I say, one foot going north, the other south, what happens? We become frozen. This is where it is critically important to look at our own evolution through the life changes that we face as part of a natural progression where every part of our lives, every decade of our lives has something to offer, something different. When you were a young whippersnapper, <laughs> when you were a young teen, I'm sure you made a lot of decisions that you've looked back now and say, oh, God, why did I do that? Well, because basically those were of the content and context of the time, and that's who you were. You evolved. Then you, you reached your maturity at some point. And you started to handle life differently than you did in your 20s and your teens. And then if you were lucky, maybe you, you reached psychological maturity and you started to settle down. You started to realize things a bit more substantially than the superficiality of the preceding decades. And going forward, why can't that happen as you grow older and God willing, very old? It can happen. Because the press of mortality is a teacher. And when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. It's an important adage. If you're not ready, then life isn't going to be able to teach you anything. Well, except for the external things, the cause and effect things that you were learning all your life. But I'm talking about a deeper emotional learning. Mortality can be that teacher. Now, there's a second part to that adage. When we say the pupil is ready, the teacher appears, and I'm using this metaphorically now, that mortality can be that teacher. But when we are receptive, when we awaken to the instructive value of our natural psychic evolution, psychic in the psyche sense, not in the uh, metaphysical sense. So the second part of the adage is that when the pupil is really ready, the teacher disappears. That's where you have incorporated the lessons, the true lessons that life has to offer. Now, let me make this point a little bit clearer. And staying with the somber nature of this podcast, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have been to a cemetery at one point in our lives. And did you ever notice, usually when you look at a, a tombstone, on one side is the birth date, and there's a dash, and then there's the, the end date. And, you know, we can reflect on, oh, that was a wonderful life, a long life, and they were born. And, but the most important detail on the tombstone isn't the birth date or the end date. The single most important point on that tombstone is the dash. Now, the dash represents everything that happened between the birth date and the end date. Those were the dash years. So you're listening to this podcast now. Whether you are young or whether you are old, you are still in your dash years, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So if you're in your dash years, then you must ask a very important question. 
Why am I waiting? Why am I waiting to be happy? Now, we can't deny that there are circumstantial demands. And what I'm talking about is what are we doing with our discretionary time? What about your mental health? What about the day-to-day -day choices that you make? You know, we call that self-care. You're in your dash years. Are you concerned that you are squandering those dash moments? You should be. You should be. Because we're all allocated so much time, so many dash experiences. And what happens? You know, we, we tend to become rather careless. We squander a lot of the very valuable dash moments that we have. We live through our computers, our smartphones, our TV, and other distractions, not to mention drugs and alcohol. We're living as if we have forever. And we're not taking the full responsibility to really, really root ourselves into the earth and ask ourselves, what do I need? What should my life be all about right now? You know, and even if you get a wake-up call, a health scare, a pandemic, or simply realizing that you're getting older, we do tend to just bounce back to that denial. We, you know, we cling to the habits that we've established. And we tell ourselves, mostly indirectly, eh, that tomorrow's going to be time enough. Time enough to connect rather than disconnect to life. Yeah, we'll get to it, after all, according to the illusion we have forever to live those dash years. You know, everything else is an abstraction. We have forever. And it's, like I said, maybe it's maybe it's healthy to have that type of denial. I don't know. I, I do think that I'm speaking from an advanced age. I beg your pardon. But nevertheless, it has awakened me to an understanding and a realization of the quality rather than the quantity of experiences of my life. Those things that really matter seem to be front and center. And the other things that only 10 years ago, 15 years ago, were dominant have now receded. And I ask, gee, what did I ever see in that? Why did I ever push so hard? Why did I sacrifice so many hours and so much time? Well, okay, those, those were important times and I did important things. But it's not that those things weren't important. It's in the context of the earlier years. They made sense. But now, a few of those important things have remained, and most of the unimportant things have receded, and I have a better focus. And I like my focus. Thank you. I always think back to my mother. She would always say to us, don't ever buy me flowers. And if you ask her why, she says, because they die so quickly. And yet, she wasn't wrong. But the answer to really understanding the value of your dash years is to realize the precious, ephemeral, transitory nature of life itself. To, as they say, stop and smell the roses. So I'm telling you, or at least asking you with this podcast today, do you think it's time to stop? To stop and smell a few roses. You can't decide to smell a flower that's in bloom next week or next month. You have to do it now. And now, let me just conclude with Rose Milligan's little poem called Dust If You Must. Dust if you must, but wouldn't it be better to paint a picture 
or write a letter, bake a cake or plant a seed. Ponder the difference between want and need. Dust if you must, but there's not much time. With rivers to swim and mountains to climb, music to hear and books to read, friends to cherish and life to lead. Dust if you must, but the world's out there with the sun in your eyes and the wind in your hair, a flutter of snow, a shower of rain. This day will not come again, dust if you must, but bear in mind, old age will come and it's not kind. And when you go, and go you must, you yourself will make more dust. <laughs> Talk about somber, okay. Uh, I, okay, I, it's still a wonderful, wonderful awakening. If you're going to squander, then keep in mind the reality and let that reality propel you to realizing your dash years. So before signing off today, I'd like to tell you that today's podcast was brought to you by my book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So you can learn more about me and my books at selfcoaching.net. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you're not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And how about we make it simple Believe together? Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold